Hey everyone, this is Connor. Before we get started, I just want to encourage you to check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash podsidepicnic. If you become a patron, you'll get access to multiple exclusive episodes every month. And you can also join our patrons-only Discord chat, where Pete and I talk informally with the Podside Picnic community. So if you like the show, go ahead and check us out at patreon.com slash podsidepicnic. Thanks. Welcome back to Podsite, everyone. This is Carlo, and today I am joined by two special guests, uh, both of them returning. Um, I am joined by Chris Woodward. Uh, hi, Chris. Hey, Carlo. How's it going? It's going okay. And uh, we are joined also by Maddie Lewis. Hello, Maddie. Hey, how's it going? It's going well. It's going well. As they say, once upon a time, I had a podcast. <laughs> so we're going to be discussing the 2015 uh, film, uh, Tale of Tales, or uh, as I saw the the much more flamboyant uh, Italian title, was it R Il Racconto di de Racontini or whatever oh, the fuck it is. Very right? nice. Yeah. Racconto de Racontini. Uh, I fucked it up. Anyway, um, anyway, uh, it's it's a it's a, a very beautiful, lush movie that is adapted loosely. Uh, I I was noting that they had like little notes there saying, you know, with some artistic license from. Um, these are a collection of stories that a uh, Italian poet and courtier. Giambattista Basile or Basile, I'm not entirely sure. I'm sure that that pronunciation is actually anti-Italian discrimination. <laughs> um, the and these are in the uh, Pentamerone, or uh, also Locunto degli Cunti. Uh, that sounds problematic already. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and it, the the funny thing is that these are these were um, these captured like uh, some of the earliest known in at least in Europe the earliest known versions of you know stuff like Rapunzel and Sleeping Beauty and Cinderella. Uh, I believe it had even sort of um, they can trace the version of Cinderella in this collection back to the Chinese version that mm. uh, precedes it, and. Um, much like the pasta, the Italians just ripping off the Chinese all the time. Well, right? you know, <laughs> appropriation. That's that's all I can say, man. <laughs> uh, so it's funny because um, at the time of his death, uh, Basile uh, had risen to the rank of count, which I did want to point out as a funny pun. Uh, he is the Conte di Torrone. Or one could, I'm sure, have nicknamed him Il Conte de Conti. <laughs> the okay. count of stories yes yeah. um so anyway uh the the movie itself is actually rather um sort of star-studded for like basically a movie that was filmed uh in i think it was italy england and i forget the other uh country it might have been spain or portugal um mm -hmm. so uh 
Maddie, you had said uh, offline, you had mentioned that you had seen this before, right? Yes. So uh, I guess maybe we should uh, go with Chris first, just because this was your first time watching this. It was. Yeah. And, um, you know, we were talking before uh, we started recording that I I remember the the advertisements and the trailer and everything when this was first coming out. And then I feel like it kind of just slipped away. And and I just it was one of those things where I just, oh, it just kind of just, you know, uh, fell off my radar. And, And then so I was really glad to get the chance to take a look at it now. Yeah, it's it's really something. Um, uh, and and Maddie, where did you watch it? Did you watch it like on video, or, or like did you see it at uh, at a at a movie theater? Um, I just watched it at home on streaming. Um, I guess I watched it like a couple of years after it came out because I had a coworker when I was working at Barnes and Noble who asked me if I had seen it because she thought that I would really like it. And it happened to be, I don't remember what platform it was streaming on at the time that I saw it on, but that's how I became like aware of it. I don't think I'd seen any trailers or any promotional material or anything for it until my, my coworker mentioned that she had seen the movie and thought that I would like it. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I have to say that I had never heard of this movie until um, uh, until actually uh, a f- friend of many people here and perhaps mutual to, to a couple, um, Gretchen Falker Martin had uh, had done like a little write up of it. Uh, that's how I found out about it, and honestly, I can't really. I mean, kudos to Gretchen for pointing me in this direction because this this is exactly what sort of the, the the balm to cure a lot of the <laughs> a lot of my my mcu just ennui you know it's just like fuck it's so good because basically um i mean it it it's so weird to have this feeling that you are watching a film now in 2021 where you're going like wait that's a location, right? <laughs> that's not like a green screen. Yeah. Oh, that's also, a real place. Yes, exactly. Right. Also, uh, there's lights. <laughs> we need lights to see things in movies. Not everything there's should colors. be like. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I was pointing out, and I don't know if any anyone one of you saw like the the Shang Chi. I watched it um, just, I guess, to watch it. And it's fine. It's a perfectly fine movie that is sort of sadly unforgettable or uh, not unforgettable, uh, completely forgettable, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's really marred by that um, ending. I think somebody was was passing that around online recently, like the, the ending sequence where they're fighting. And it's just like it's plain daylight. And somehow the fight is happening at midnight in the midst of like a smoke bank or something it's like oh yeah i saw that image yeah i know what you're talking about and i saw the same thing with somebody comparing um you know the three uh versions of spider-man um like raimi's version the the, the middle version with uh andrew garfield and then there's a an image from the you know the trailer of the new one with uh tom holland and 
it just gets increasingly dark to the point where like the, the third one is just this like soupy like gray blobs it was yeah it's so it's nice to it was nice to watch a a, a show a, a movie that was not afraid to just have like big wide open planes at full daylight um with like stark white um you know walls and and, and everything it was, it was this was a very very beautiful movie yes yes i agree um, you know, sunbathed, uh, you know, like courts and, and vistas and like, just, you know, like uh, that, that opening scene is so bright. I was like, oh, wow, this is a location <laughs> where we're following like a, a carnival person or whatever, you know, like a, right, a trooper yeah. into the, uh, the, the, what is it? The, the court of the queen and king of long trellis. I do love that the, the names of the kings and queens is like, was it long trellis, high hills, it's long trellis, high hills and uh, strong cliff. <laughs> it's, it's like something it's straight out of, yeah, it's something straight out of like, uh, like one of the JRPGs, you know, <laughs> I'm yeah, a knight it of long trellis. Sound, it, it sounds extremely like a JRPG location, which uh, rules actually. Um, and uh, you know, to me, it actually kind of works because if you like, like anytime people try to be really clever with like their place names in fiction, I always kind of like roll my eyes because if you know the like the etymology of like a lot of actual city names, they're very stupid. It's it is exactly stuff like High Hills. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, uh, uh, Maddie, I, I do have to tell you that um, I currently live in Baltimore, who, which apparently has some sort of schizoid personality problem because it wants to be Charm City, City of Ravens, the city that reads. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ, I don't even there's probably a couple of other like um, epithets that it's trying to juggle at the same time. It's like a, you know, like Baltimore has like, I think, in, an inferiority complex because, you know, Washington, D.C. steals its thunder and it really shouldn't have it because, see, Baltimore is actually a real city, mm -hmm. albeit small. Yes, there's a nightlife and, and people live there and <laughs> yes. the, the downtown's not completely empty at I five mean, o'clock. Like, yeah, exactly. I like I, I realized that Washington, D.C., like I went down there uh, as a tangent. I went down there uh, on a job interview when I came first came here and by four and five p.m. People were like leaving in droves. And I was, that's when I had the realization. I was like, holy shit, Washington, D.C., for the most part, like the big places, it's just like a, a flat hotel. <laughs> and you see like all the help all the staff is leaving for their shifts you know bye yeah. anyway uh so back to the back to the movie we open with these troopers performing for the king and queen of of long trellis uh i, I want to say high trellis and it's not um and the queen is Selma hayek who is you know obviously stunning uh but unsmiling mm-hmm uh, and John C. Riley is the king, and uh, it, it's in the midst of this little performance. They have like this little mishap. They throw some water, and one of the troopers apparently, um, the, the, in fact, I believe is the same trooper that is we follow into the into the court, um, is splashed with a bucket of water, and she takes off her coat. Uh, her outer coat and shows that she's got like a belly, you know, she's pregnant. And that's where we, we find out that there's a conflict there. 
And uh, and so it's really interesting. This is the part where I started sitting up in my in my seat because the way that this pans out, I swear to God, folks, this is the first time I ever watched this movie like two or three days ago. It, it, it's really sort of uh, had very odd uh, coincidences with something I wrote. And I was like sitting there going like, I did. I never. I never saw this. I've never uh, read any of these stories. <laughs> I made this all up. I so I swear. Um, so uh, it turns out that the the queen is unable to have a child. She she wants it more than anything in the world, and uh, so they're approached by a weird, tall, thin, <laughs> gaunt looking dude who is uh, apparently just. Uh, build is the necromancer mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> and, and he absolutely looks like somebody from a jrpg like uh he, he looks like he stepped out of it so like he he looks like the guy from pathologic <laughs> too, it, taking off his like weird beak mask you know <laughs> that's that's what's underneath the beak mask folks um so uh and he tells them that uh you know if she wants to really really have a child uh and she's willing to sacrifice um she will there's a a uh a sea monster that lives you know in the bay or whatever uh near near the castle they must go kill it cut out its heart and then on top of that uh uh cook the heart the heart must be cooked by a virgin uh, and the virgin must be alone cooking it. Uh, and so then uh, if the queen is able to eat all of the heart, she will immediately become pregnant. And so if you haven't old- caught on by now, these are fairy tales. <laughs> yes. Oh, and they're bloody and and gory and there's yeah. titties and it's it rocks like it's horny as fuck. And it's very bloody. Um, it's not well, maybe not gory, but it is very bloody. Yeah. Uh, um, and there's it, lots of. Oh, go ahead, Maddie. Well, was, and that that was me. But oh. <laughs> it, it, it just it kind of you know um, goes back to how, you know how fairy tales were originally. Like originally they were bloody and gory and scary and 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 uh, you know not the you know sanitized Disney version that we are more familiar with today. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Th- this sea monster does uh, not want to have legs and be part of our world. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is maybe the only fairy tale movie I have seen from probably the past 20 or 30 years that actually feels like a fairy tale. Um, yeah. That I can think of off the top of my head um, because so many of them now are they either they are Disney movies, which, you know, it's Disney doing Disney or they're like responses to Disney movies right. instead of responses to or adaptations of like the older versions of the fairy tales, which, yeah, they're by and large. They're kind of grimy, they're horny, they're bloody or gory and weird and uh <laughs> That's why this movie rocks. It's an actual fairy tale movie that feels like a fairy tale. 
Yeah. And yes. And yes. I, 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 can't, I sort of have like a corny line for it, but like it's subversive because it plays the fairy tale straight. Like we're, we're used to now, at, you know, at seeing all these ironic takes on fairy tales or, or like you said, Maddie, some, some sort of uh, subversive take uh, on the fairy tales. But to, to see a, a movie that's just like takes those tales and just you know tells them well uh without really a, a sense of irony to them uh was very refreshing and, and very and very fun to see yeah it's yeah. nice to watch a fairy tale movie that's not shrek because yes. they're all shrek now <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> <laughs> more than disney they are all shrek now <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you're not and wrong. A- I think, yeah. I mean, because Shrek was like an a, like a a, th- a supposed thumb of the nose and overcorrection uh, towards the wholesomeness of Disney, but then it becomes its own sort of oh, it's sort of edgy, but it's they don't say the f word or they don't screw. You know, they that there's no blood in it either. So, how, how is this different than Disney again? Right. Well, and there's no like, you know, message behind Shrek's uh, jokes or subversions. Like, it's not like they're trying to say, you know, oh, the monarchy's bad or anything like that. It's like, no, no, it's just that Shrek needs to be king. That's all. (laughs) Well, you know, uh, you got to get that bag, I guess. That's that's about the only. Yeah. (laughs) That's the only message. There happens to be an ogre in this one, too. Oh, there is. Yes, yes. Uh, I, I was Imagine rather surprised. Imagine a cut of this that. film that has Shrek instead of the ogre. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> it would be very cursed, but uh, I, I think it would be entertaining for a, a five-minute YouTube clip. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> Just also now I'm mixing it together with like it's like he smells the the skinned flea. He's like, is that a is that a flea skin I'm smelling? Or are you or are you just getting horny for me? It's like oh god, oh that is oh my god no, <laughs> I must not lathe of heaven this into existence. I'm sorry. Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> fuck. Okay, sorry. Let's get back to the good stuff. Uh, so um, John C. Riley, the good king and husband that he is, you know, sort of affably goes in his little um, diving suit with the giant helmet and everything. Yeah. And sort of walks along the seabed and uh, approaches this amazing, actually sort of amazing looking uh, sea monster that is just lying there sleeping underwater and uh, just like do 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 stab. <laughs> I don't know what he was expecting would happen. Yeah, like, right. <laughs> but he 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 manages to finish what he needs to do, uh, but dies in the process. Right. And the sea monster is very cool looking. It's like it's giant. It it's, looks awesome. Yeah, it's huge, and it's just like pure white. Um, which I thought was, you know, cause we're used to really dark or like d- dungy or, uh, sorry, grungy type looking monsters, but like, it's just like pure white. So it's, it's just very, uh, unique looking. Well, it's, it's kind of like an axolotl from hell. Yes. <laughs> yes, it does actually. Um, but, um, so I was looking this up and apparently, uh, the, the story they're adapting is actually supposed to be like a, it's supposed to be a doe. 
Mm. Uh, I'm guessing it's like that um, that fairy tale thing with the white heart, H R A T. Yes, um, I see. And so, uh, uh, you know, by transferring it to the C, then it becomes a little bit different. And so, uh, I, I I just sort of love the fact that you know you get the scene where he's dying on the shore, and he's smiling and. It, like the queen is not holding him. It's not like you initially, I thought it was the queen because she's dressed all in this, these really awesome, you know, very lush looking uh, black robes and whatnot, but it's just one of his men at arms or whatever, or his Mm -hmm. knights uh, holding his cradling his head. And all she's got eyes for is the heart, which Mm -hmm. is still slowly beating. Uh, after they cut it out of the 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 sea monster, yeah, uh, just a great touch too, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, w- women be baby crazy, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Her biological clock was going like this. Uh, <laughs> I, so this was kind of like just really struck me, uh, and you know, I have no, there's no meaning to ascribe to it other than I, it was just very nice. Like um, a- after so John C. Riley passes away from. Uh, the wounds that the the sea monster inflicted on him, um, and then like the man at arms is just so so gentle when he like lays his head down, and I just I, I don't know that I thought that was very touching uh, compared to like you said, you know his the his wife kind of just like you know pushes over his dead body and then like just grabs the the heart like out of the way like yeah, <laughs> thanks husband yeah <laughs> now that heart um his so diving they, suit was very cool too like it, you know it's very yeah you know, i'm um, kind of anachronistic but um that's part of makes it like the magical there's like there's no <clears throat> there was no like visible uh you know oxygen delivery service so he doesn't have tanks he doesn't have like a big long hose like it was just kind of just like you know it's it's very they leaned into the fairy tale aspect yeah yeah that was pretty cool um but yeah, I, I also uh, love that the, like the next scene is almost it's almost like this smash cut where it's like, are you still a virgin? <laughs> Come here, we need the queen needs you. <laughs> it's like here, here's a heart. Go put it in that cauldron. <laughs> it's like what? This is like the the weird side like like a weird side quest in your RPG game. Yeah, and it's just the and it's this gigantic heart too that's like. The size yeah, of a, can, be, a beach ball, like it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it, like you can see that they're holding it with two hands. It's got like heft to it. It's not like a CGI heart or anything, like, or maybe it is. I don't know, but it it looks like a practical thing. Yeah, no, yeah, it is pra- a practical a practical thing. Uh, and uh, I saw an interview wrote an interview with Selma Hayek, and they did you know when she's eating it, like that is an it is an actual thing, and apparently it was just absolutely disgusting. Uh, um, <laughs> but I was reading an interview, and she asked. Uh, before I guess she did the movie, she was asked to submit a list of what allergies she had. <laughs> and when they gave her the heart to eat for the scene, she's like, what, what is this? And there's like, you're not allergic to it. <laughs> That's all I said. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I can't imagine like being given something like that as an actress and being told, oh yeah, you're not allergic to it. It's fine. Like go, go for it. <laughs> um, it's fine. It's, it's, I, it's sausage. I didn't see in the, in the article, what it actually was, I I wouldn't be surprised if it was something like the uh, in in Game of Thrones season one when Danny has to eat the horse's heart. I mm-hmm. think that was like a like almost like a giant gummy. Uh, uh, apparently, <laughs> that was pretty gross too. <laughs> well, I mean, 
there's a reason the gummies are are, are small. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> something about I'm guessing something about the mouthfeel of trying to eat a gummy that is larger that you can put your mouth like put it completely into your mouth uh, <laughs> probably changes the the feeling about it, you know. Um, but yeah, like, uh, so she taught like the, the servant tosses it into the cauldron and immediately is like, sort of like woozy. You see her grab her belly. Um, and then you cut to that awesome scene where it's like that stark white dining room. Like Mm -hmm. all the walls are stark white. The table is black and she's dressed in black, just chowing down on that fucking heart, man. (laughs) Just like, just going at it and just like smeared blood all over her face. It's such an amazing and arresting scene. And like, honestly, like you can see like just the plain determination, like this is a man versus heart. uh, In this case, woman versus heart. uh, This is hard eating competition, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. It's, it's really something to see. Okay, Has there man. ever been a scene where a woman eats a heart and it's not like brutal and metal as fuck? Like, I think that's a very good that, that's very good to me whenever it shows up a woman just eating a heart. That's cool. <laughs> I'm I'm here for it. Go for it. Yeah. I mean, it, it's really like, honestly, this is uh, I mean, I, I don't know that I've seen my share of other movies that have women eating hearts. But uh, but you know what? Based on this one. Uh, on an N of one, I'll, I'll say that is a metal scene. It is amazing. And like, she's, she continues to be like completely like, like the, the unsmilingness of her, her, of her affect just reads as like pure determination. She's going to fucking finish this fucking thing. (laughs) She's going to get so pregnant from it. (laughs) It's, it is actually, uh, it's sort of the weirdest (laughs) mpreg kink, right? (laughs) Oh dear! <laughs> it's uh, not that different, actually, from the the scene in Game of Thrones. Because although in the in in that scene, the the main character, the character Daenerys, actually is pregnant. And it's some sort of like ritual with the tribe that she's married into, where like if you can keep down this this horse heart, you'll have a strong child or whatever. But there's like that similar kind of like determination. I wonder like where that's drawn from. Like if there's some sort of like historical, like heart eating is supposed to be like good for for either getting pregnant or having a strong child. Like, I don't know if that's like a folklore tradition that I am aware of, but now I'm like curious because in both instances I can think of off the top of my head where you have a woman eating a heart for like, I guess, ritual purposes, it, it has to deal with having children. So I'm wondering if that's like a thing anywhere. I'm going to have to do some digging. Well, I mean, I would, uh, I don't know that you have to do too much digging, simply the root of, um, in obviously in Latin, uh, in Spanish, corazón is the heart, right? Uh, and yeah. courage and, you know, and cour in French is the same thing, mm-hmm. uh, have the same root. So therefore, I think it's just simply symbolic, uh, you know, like, sort of sympathetic or symbolic uh, uh, magic type of stuff. You know, you eat the thing that makes your enemy, you know, your rival courageous. Well, then you will then become courageous by, you know, uh, tr- transference of whatever, 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 you know, symbolic, whatever, whatever. I also, um, 
I'm not entirely sure, but I, I have to wonder if the, um, as an aside, the, that plain fact uh, that there is that idea wasn't something that then was attributed to like something like the, the Triple Alliance or the Aztecs or the Mayans sacrificing people. Because remember, they thought that, oh, they, they definitely eat the hearts. And you're like, but did they? Mm-hmm. I mean, the only, the only, t- the only, uh, the only people that are telling us this is you and you burned all the other, all their books. So I don't know. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so yeah, the, and so both women, the servant and uh, the queen have identical looking children, mm-hmm. um, which is also like, just a, a sort of an amazing, interesting thing to to have happen, and yeah. obviously they're they're connected. They have a connection between them in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, and they have um like blonde, uh, not not even blonde, but like pure white hair. Um, just like the 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 monster was a, a pure white. Right. Yeah. I I don't know that they were supposed to be like albino, but yeah, definitely pure white hair. In fact, the lashes and everything like that. They mm. they, they did their like they were very detail oriented. I I found. Um, but yeah, it, that one is like that story continues because then we we switch to like we find out that the queen is very sort of miffed about the fact that they want to hang out together. Um, and she, she tries to kill the, uh, the other guy, you know, the other son of the, of the servant. And basically that drives him away. And then, you know, we, we switch over to, uh, actually, no, we get the, the, the funeral of John C. Riley. Yeah. Uh, where we get the, the introduction of the king of, was it, uh, was it Strongcliffe? With his oh, is it Vincent yes. Cassell? Yeah, yes. Vincent Cassell, who's like amazing. Yeah. I, I loved Vincent Cassell. Love He's him. so great. I love him in like everything. He is one of my favorite actors, and he always plays. He always plays like kind of a similar character a lot of the times. He's like this, like kind of like compelling but like gross, horny old goat. And like I love that he always plays. Not always, but most of the time plays that character. He's he's definitely got it here. Um, yeah, he he's basically this character in real life as well because he's just like you know there's always like paparazzi photos of just him like you know with you know beautiful women and he's just he's so so he he's not only like figuratively a horny king he is literally a horny king in this movie so it, it worked out well <laughs> it was very good casting <laughs> the king of horn dog uh Oh, but I mean, yeah, he was uh, married to Monica Bellucci for quite some time, and like that's that's just making it. I yeah. think yeah. <laughs> being oh, married wow. to okay. Monica Bellucci. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that's that's. Uh, wow. Okay. <laughs> I did not know that. Um, but uh, congrats. Yeah, I was uh, devastated when they got divorced because <laughs> that was my that was my benefer. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. So uh, and then we we see the we 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 get the introduction of uh, Vincent Cassell and um, what's his name Toby Jones who Toby is the Jones, king of yeah. High Hills and uh, his his daughter at the time who's a little younger uh, but then we go back when we go back uh, he, she's grown up 
uh, quite a bit and is very close to marrying age. And, uh, and he, that is such an awkward scene to the, the one where she's like uh, performing for the court and for her father. Yeah. The, the, it's the, like, Oh, here's this song I composed and the song is nice, but I was like, did you bother with some lyrics? Uh, is it all la 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 la? It's just like you forgot, you forgot the rest of the words to it. <laughs> hey, listen, l- lyrics weren't invented yet. Oh, that's that's it. Okay, <laughs> we're we're in time before lyrics. Yeah, um, but yeah, she, <clears throat> she writes a song uh, in honor of her father and is playing it before all the court. But he's not paying attention because there's a little flea that he found on his hand, and he and like a he discovers that it'll like jump between his hands. Like he almost has like a little flea circus going on there. A one man flea, uh, one flea circus. Yeah, one flea circus. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, I, that is a weird, <laughs> just found that weird, but also like, he's like, then he like holds it in his, in his fist after she finishes and like, oh, oh yeah, I should clap. Okay. And like, <laughs> it's sort of like such a weird little thing. And, uh, like, I think that they, like, he puts it into a little glass case and then, uh, it gets bigger and he like, progressively gets a little bigger he's able to attach the little sort of cart that he made out of like clockwork gears that's like you know could fit in the palm of his hand but the the flea's big enough and it will respond to tapping to move back and forth and so obviously he's keeping it as a pet that is sort of also slightly trained or intelligent uh and then you get the the discussion about well father um I want to marry uh, a man yeah. who's courageous and this and that. Uh, and that was like, just awful. <laughs> it's like, Oh, why would yeah. you tell her if, if we can find such a man? <laughs> You're like, it's, what? Yeah, it, it's interesting because like uh, when they first introduced those characters, uh, the King Toby Jones, you know, he's, he's definitely like paying attention to his daughter and he's like, kind of like playing with her as they go, they, as they travel up to, um, King John C. Riley's funeral. Uh, and then like when they flash forward, uh, I guess, what is it? 16 years. And now she's, you know, marrying age. And she was, he's like, uh, something happened where he's just not interested in his daughter anymore. Like he's just so much so that like, he just uh, is solely interested and he becomes solely interested in this flea uh, that, so like it, there's, it's unspoken what what if there's something happened or if it's just you know it, but like it, it's weird that the the juxtaposition of you know his attention to her and then complete lack of attention later on in life yeah he he comes across as like a really negligent father just very careless right yeah um, not really thinking about what he's saying or anything like that uh which you know i think sets it up well because when when the yeah, we finally get the the scene where the flea is like super large. You know, it's like the size of like a a a, a, a like a I'd good sized like dog. Yeah, yeah, like a good sized <laughs> dog. Yeah, like corgi sized or perhaps even larger. Um, and that's disturbing. And- it's disturbing. Like the, the <laughs> like it looks like oh, it's just it's like it's kind of like almost like skin tone ish. So it's like, you know, like it has like almost like, you know, a weird fleshy look to it. Oh, <laughs> yes. Yes. Yes, it does. Right. Oh, I thought, I thought the flea was kind of cute. 
I mean, it is <laughs> cute, but it's also. I think it's. Uh, I'm with Chris on this one. The 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 sort of flesh tone of it, like of of its outer shell, just is also very uncanny. Yeah. So it's got like this weird attraction repulsion to it because it's like these big doe eyes and it's not it doesn't look like a bug bug in you know like if we had a flea and blew it up to that size it'd probably be a fucking nightmare it's like i don't want to look at that (laughs) but uh this one you know has like big doe eyes but then it's also like flesh colored (laughs) i mean i would pet it (laughs) i mean i would pet it too but also perhaps tentatively i don't know i I wouldn't Uh, want it in my chambers let's just say yeah (laughs) it's the king just wakes up just just desiccated (laughs) but one fat flea (laughs) uh but yeah so then the the flea just dies uh, like it goes like from that flesh color actually it's the color of et to the color of et when he's dead <laughs> no, see, E.T. is much more grotesque to me than the flea in Tale of Tales. E.T. is were, a, a, a sick little look, looking guy. I don't like him. <laughs> He's awful not wrong. to look at. Uh, <laughs> it's it's his baby blues that I think won everyone over, including myself. I, I'll I'll say, uh, but yes, uh, it, it took some time for me to be like. <laughs> There's a reason that kids yelled when he saw him. <laughs> Anyway, um, so then he has it weirdly f- skinned and has like a a competition uh, to see who will marry his whomever can identify what animal the skin is from will be will have his his daughter's hand in marriage. And uh, and so, uh, you know, many suitors present themselves some slightly less favored by his daughter, uh, whose name is Violet, I should say. I'm sorry. Uh, she is a Princess Violet, I suppose. And then, can I just say, I did not know that he was an ogre until she said so. I just <laughs> right. thought, he's just yeah. like a big guy yeah. who's ugly. <laughs> Oh, well, that's it's Carlo. Come on. Now. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he he like barges in. He's this like mountain of a man and he takes one, he, you know, he sniffs, he sniffs the uh, flea's skin and correctly determines that it was, it came from a flea. And because uh, at first she's like, no, uh, don't let him. And the king is convinced that nobody uh, will be able to identify uh, where, the, where the skin came from. Uh, and he was kind of like delighting in it, but then, you know, he was, uh, tables returned. Shit got real. Yeah. Somebody figured it out. And then he had to b- abide by those stupid rules that he made instead <laughs> right. of breaking them. Which is <laughs> insane. Cause he's like, listen, dude, if there's one benefit to being a king, you know, it's that you can you do can what cre- you want. Yeah. You could just say, nah, I, I, I was kidding about that. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what? I got it like a hundred guards right now. And yeah. if you. If you you ha- take issue with that, okay, try it. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I feel like that uh, that guy could the ogre could probably take most of his guards, but it's true. It's you know, he's the king; he can do what he wants. Yeah, he could have told him to go fuck off, <laughs> go skin <laughs> some more fleas out in the wilderness or something weirdo. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so it 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 
it's weird because I, I expected this one to have like a weird twist to it. Uh, you know, like sort of a beauty and the beast type of twist or something to that effect. Um, and, uh, yeah, it turns out that, uh, he's, she does not learn to <laughs> love and admire the ogre. Um, it, it, that is not in the cards for this story and the ogre. I don't even know. I mean, he's definitely physically imposing. I'm going to guess that, um, he, uh, it's not really explicitly pointed out or anything like that, but I'm going to guess that he took, um, you know, uh, took her to his marital bed, uh, amongst other things, but he doesn't seem to be really interested in her as anything other than like stay in the cave and, uh, you know, like skin these things or whatever that I bring. And that's it. Yeah. Like it doesn't feel like he's interested in her in anything as, uh, as in anything other than an object, really. Yeah. And I mean, he, he uh, you know, obviously displays some intelligence, but he, he definitely lives uh, an animalistic uh, lifestyle because he, he's, she, t- uh, he uh, takes the princess up to his uh, mountain cave and it's just uh, strewn with bones of all his food, I guess. And then, but like, there's no, accommodations or anything it's just cut out of the rock and so yeah he kind of just lives a, a very primitive uh life hot hot stone couch uh society here exactly <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh and then uh, i guess the last one is actually based off of uh a story called the old Fla- the flayed old lady uh which uh, I had to watch this like a, like that sequence. I had to watch a couple of times to understand what the hell was going on, but I didn't get it the first time. And then this time I was like, wait, what? <laughs> That's insane. Oh, this, one, this, <laughs> this one's my favorite. I think oh, it's, of the it's three. great. I mean, it's great, but also like, I, I think my mind rejected what was happening <laughs> <laughs> initially. And I was like, no, why? <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's like two sisters that are just like very old, but retain their beautiful singing voices. And one of them's singing and uh, Prince uh, or, or Prince King Vincent the king. Cassell, <laughs> the King King Cassell just like hears her from his tower uh, after like we get a couple of scenes of him just like being just like bored with like there's like naked bodies strewn in a garden like uh, he kicks a peacock aside and he's like, fuck this. <laughs> he is, uh, he's tired of <laughs> conventional extravagance. <laughs> he needs something, something extra. And so he hears this, uh, this, this old woman singing and she's got a beautiful singing voice and he yells to her like, uh, you know, and, and tries to woo her from her, his castle and actually warns her a little bit. He's like, Oh, be aware that I have, you know, I have, uh, conquered castles more impregnable than this and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, Jesus Christ, dude, <laughs> I guess you could just say I'm the king. <laughs> That's uh, fine. Yeah. It's good to be the king. I hear. Uh, (laughs) but uh so then he goes down there and there's like this he gives her a gift and uh so they don't open the windows or the doors or anything they're they don't dare show their faces uh and he he comes back uh to like 
try to convince them to come, convince her to come back with him. Uh, And she's like, no, I'll, in a week's time, I shall show you a part of my body that will, you know, confirm your, the, my beauty or whatever. And it's like, I'm going to show you my finger. (laughs) What? (laughs) This is the most elaborate con job ever. (laughs) Yes. Uh, but he, but, yeah. but he, he. I think the king like definitely is like intrigued because it's like probably the first time ever that he's had to actually like work to like get with somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean that that I think that's why it works, and I'll I'll say that you know like I don't feel like uh, as a caveat I don't feel like anyone here is like doing like heavy you know thespian work. Uh, because it's fairy tales, you know, like everyone's like an archetype of something, yeah. you know, it's not, we're not looking for like, you know, uh, just like super acting or anything like that, but it, there's enough. And I, mm-hmm. I feel like, yeah, part of it is the casting, like Cassell it does come across as Maddie mentioned. Yeah. Just very horny. He's so horny. He, he, he will actually wait a week uh, just to kiss her finger later on. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so then she shows him his finger, her finger, and uh, actually, no, she burns her finger with lye because she wants to, uh, I I believe that's what happens, right? She puts lye on it to uh, smooth, try to smooth away the wrinkles or something to that effect. Yes. And then like looks at it and is like, oh, go ahead. Yeah, it's it's she does. I, I think I think you're right. I think it is lies. She, she wants that week to to get her her little fingy all uh, all fresh and new looking instead of wrinkly. And uh, I, I think it is lie or something like that, that she ends up like putting it in to kind of smooth <laughs> it out. So it looks like, like a, a younger person's <laughs> finger. I'm just like watching her dipping it, and it's like you see the bubbles forming. You're like, Jesus Christ, are you not going to react to that? Does that <laughs> hurt? What? What kind of old lady are you? But uh, but she yeah, so, wants that D. Well, she definitely does. <laughs> she she is definitely down does. Bad. People have done weirder stuff for Dick, I'm sure. <laughs> I am certain. I mean, like Vincent Cassell's waiting a whole week to kiss a finger for it. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> let's face it. Um, so then she burns it and then it ends up being her sister's finger who she puts through the, wi- the, the, the hole in the door for him to like kiss and like suck on and lick and whatnot. And you're like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's weird. Um, and so he is insistent, uh, so insistent that she has to sort of relent and say, well, okay, um, tell you what, go back, call me, uh, you know, like basically at night with no candles, no light, all the drapes drawn, everything, you know, dark, uh, and, and call me into your bed and you can have, you know, whatever you want from me. And, uh, and as a, <laughs> this is the part that my brain rejected because I was like, wait, what, what is she doing? So, you know, you get the scene where the sister's like slowly, like sort of like holding the skin, oh, the yeah. wrinkles back. And I didn't realize that she was like pinning the wrinkly skin to her back. 
Mm. And you're like, Jesus Christ, what the fuck am yeah, I watching? Yeah, rocks. It's so good. <laughs> no, it's great. It's great. Like, I, I honestly, so good. I was like sitting there like the first time I didn't really know what was going on. And the second time around, I was like, oh, no, <laughs> that that can't be right. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, she goes up to the castle as uh, as expected. You know, everything's super dark. They've blown out all the candles and whatnot. But uh, after King Cassell gets into the bed and I don't remember if uh, there's a hint that they've that he actually finishes uh, or consummates or if it's simply that he gets into the bed and like immediately like lights a candle and brings it close to her face or feels her wrinkly skin and then puts the candle next to her face is like, fuck you, throw out. (laughs) And we get this scene that is like, Oh shit. He's a th- he's like ordering her people his people to throw her out the window. <laughs> it's a, it's That's so a, good. some some post some post nut clarity for you there. <laughs> <laughs> that is absolutely what that is. <laughs> it was okay, you know, until you you, know, you 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 got done like oh, 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 you got to get out. <laughs> you got to get out. Um <laughs> And they throw out the window, and uh, apparently in the story, like, um, she's thrown out the window, and uh, some fairies, either out of boredom or out of pity, um, sort of work their magic on her and rejuvenate her. Here, she actually gets entangled, like, they throw her with, with the sheets and all out the window, and the sheets actually break her fall. They get caught, like, in the tree branches, and uh, she she ends up, like you know, like five feet off the ground, but not dead, you know? And some, I guess, wild woman, perhaps a witch. Like a uh, witch. I think probably like a witch. Yeah, it's it's not spelled out. It's a fairy out. tale. It's safe, to, it's safe to say she's probably a witch. Yes, yeah, I, it's probably a witch, yes. Yep. Um, And just basically, like, next thing you know, she is young, beautiful, and a redhead. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, the, the King Cassell is out hunting just out of coincidence. He's hunting a boar in that same area of the woods. And it turns out that he rounds the corner. He's ready to shoot the boar. And he sees her sort of, sort of draped in her long ass hair. Lady you know. Godiving. Yeah. Yes. Oh, she, for sure. She's, yeah. She's Godiving. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And uh, I mean, she's she's very stunning. The the I forget the name of the um, the actor that they used here, but uh, she's very stunning. But uh, yes, he's immediately obviously smitten uh, and does not know. You know, doesn't make any connections. So, you know, uh, and he immediately wants to make her his queen. And uh, that sort of becomes a point of contention between her and her sister, who has remained old. Uh and she invites her to the wedding, sends her like a beautiful dress to, you know, attend the wedding and she eats and, you know, the the whole feast and fete is beautiful and lovely and she but she does not want to leave because that's her sister. Right. And and I mean, it, weirdly it, I here it, she's much more sympathetic, I feel. Uh mm-hmm. you understand her reasoning. You know, they've always it, it looks like they've always been together. So why wouldn't 
she want to be together with her sister as basically because you know her sister will give away the game yeah that they're related you know uh and that she is in fact the old woman that he threw out the window um but i was reading up on the uh the story that they adapted and apparently she becomes jealous mm. um i don't know that i picked that up from well, here she does wear the the gown um that the, her sister was wearing uh like the the, the pretty you know the like the bluish gown so I, I i could sort of see that i mean i i i would say that she is um maybe not jealous but she feels like she's been cut out of the high life that you know she feels that she should also take part in i mean it was her finger that the that king Cassell kissed and not her sisters actually <laughs> i helped you um but yeah so she then <laughs> gets thrown out and uh they she ends well, up like yeah well before ahead. before that she she's like begging her sister to her for the secret about how she got uh, young and beautiful uh and her sister offhandedly trying to get rid of her sister said i flayed my skin mm that's right. That's right. Yeah. And flayed her skin off and the, to, to allow the younger skin to, to come out from underneath or whatever. And that's like, Jesus Christ, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so then she seeks out somebody who would be willing to flay her skin. The sister does. Yeah. It's just like this weird barber dude. That's like, uh, dude, you're going to die. Yeah. <laughs> Even yeah, you know, bar barber ethics are pretty high back in the back in those days. <laughs> yeah, ethics high. Um, you know, sanitation not so much. Uh, uh, but yeah, I, I, that one is one that gets sort of like it, it trails off because you you get to see her like walking back, um, but just like dread like her her blue dress is now drenched in blood. Mm -hmm. and, and like i'm like shit did she did she live like just basically live a long life as a hellraiser creature what <laughs> just like <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah uh i guess then we get the 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 ending for princess violet right and mm -hmm. uh basically she oh what we we forgot uh elias and jonah um their ending where uh he he then uh jonah before he leaves which is the the servant's uh son shows him like basically like this he punches a hole in this tree root and it a spring starts to flow from there and he shows uh elias like look if the water's clear i'm fine if the water is not then you know something's happened and uh so one day as it's as uh, would deign to happen in fairy tales the water is not running clear and elias runs away and decides to find you know where jonah is uh and after a long quest where he finds that jonah had basically established a life in this village far away mm -hmm. uh, with a wife and everything, right? Or, or at least um, somebody, that, some woman that he loves. Right. It feels like. Um, 
it's not really spelled out, but it's like almost silently, like it's, it's an almost silent uh, uh, scene where he's sort of embraced by her and these other villagers. And he goes to find where he is. And he's like in this, like on a cliffside, you know, trying to get out of this, this cave or whatever. And there's a monster there that uh, he finds out that the monster will not attack him. Uh, so he shields uh, Jonah's body with his own and uh, basically strikes and kills the monster. And as they make their escape, you see that the monster uh, slowly dissolves and becomes the queen, mm-hmm. uh, the queen of long trellis. So my yes. Hayek, folks. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, so here's something. This is probably as good a time as I need to ask. Did either of you like discern like a meaning behind these stories? Like, and and I get that they're not like fables, like they're not like Aesop's fables where they're you know meant to impart a moral lesson, but like it, they're just there's kind of just things you know there's jealousy and there's there's you know things like that, but um, do, do you know what I'm saying? Like it's it's like yeah, I I I know what you yeah. mean. I think the uh, the flayed old woman has like the kind of the most obvious like a moral to it, which is like, don't be jealous. You'll do stupid shit. Um, (laughs) But at the same time, you know, don't be deceptive either. Um, The other two, I don't feel like have as clear of like a moral. Um, Yeah. And to be clear, not 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 that I'm saying they need one. I just but I just I, I, I think we're conditioned um, to expect one in a story along these lines because of, uh, you know, the Dis- because of Disney. Like, you know, well, those- I mean, uh, old fairy tales, too. Uh, most of them do have an right. implicit or explicit moral to them. That's right. You know, kind of part of the form. So I think to, to look for a moral in a fairy tale is is a good use of your time. And in fact, a correct thing to do when you are reading or watching something that's a fairy tale. Um well- I mean, I, the way I see it, and I think that there are morals there, but they're not something it's that not like perhaps, an, no, go ahead. It's not like an Aesop's. Yeah. Like, like you said, Chris, it's not like an Aesop's fable kind of, you, you can't necessarily like put it in a, a pithy little quote, but I think that they're like, it is, they are stories that are concerned with virtues and morality um, I would say. Right, right. I, I think that the the issue that, especially with the 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 brothers or the twins or whatever you want to call them, um, and the one with Princess Violet and the ogre, I don't know that it's as clear because maybe the because these may be just simply social lessons of a that point to a society that no longer exists, you know, Mm. uh, a sort of social structure or social order that no longer exists, but you do get flashes of it. Like, you know, don't, don't make promises. Uh, you know, you you can, you can break promises. It's fine. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, if it's, if it's not something that's going to be beneficial to someone that you care for, break that promise. Fuck it. Right. You know, uh, you don't need your daughter to be uh, married to an ogre. Uh, I I do think that the 
the one with uh, Salma Hayek and Elias and Jonah um, probably has to do with more along the lines of blood relations and that there's a, a symbolic blood relation between them that just so happens to be stronger than the one that she explicitly tells him, right? She tells Elias, her son, there is no one that is closer. Uh, you know, you, I'm your blood relation, mm-hmm. uh, which isn't entirely true, right? Because that's not the way that like, yes, she gave birth to him, but it was sort of through other means. Right. Right. Um, so I, I do feel like that's something that's an interesting uh maybe not a lesson but simply like a a thing that it's trying to uh harp on or 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 point out that there is that connection between them right and you know just the plain fact that also like i i didn't ever get the feeling that um her love for elias was as perhaps as healthy as it should have been Right. Well, yeah, and I, I mean, and I could see that too, because it's like you know, her husband died for, in order to him to be brought, uh, you know, to the world and things like that. So I, I could see that, and I, I could sort of see like you know, there's some sort of, um, you know, je- jealousy that there would be somebody else beyond, you know, aside from her, and not only that, but that he would that the per that that person would be a commoner or common common born, you know, um, as opposed to the rest of the court. Um, yeah. Somebody that's, that's sort of beneath her, his station. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, it's not, I'm not trying to like, uh, sort of like judge her because I, I do agree. I think it's presented very sympathetically. Like, yes, mm-hmm. she, she, sure. She was single minded about it, but she also lost a lot of, you know, what was her life yeah. to in exchange for giving birth to Elias. And he's not, you know, I think it's just simply the, the plain sort of uh, like the, the post birthing pain of having to let go of a child. Right. Because right. they're eventually going to sort of, you know, if you're, t- if you hold them too close they're going to break your heart because basically they don't want to hang out with you anymore. Like, yeah, they, they love you, but it's a different type of thing. They want to be with someone that's their, you know, within their age range, their peer, Mm -hmm. perhaps not socially, but a, an age peer. Right. That's right. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing I can, I can get out of that. Yeah. I see that. But yeah, so uh, and then we get the the dairy rescue, <laughs> Princess Violet. <laughs> that poor carnival troop. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> not Jesus a Christ. good time for them. <laughs> not even a little bit. I mean, Jesus Christ, man! They all get like fucking murked. Like they, yeah, you know, they they pull off this daring rescue. They tightrope walk across the 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 canyon, like kind of a chasm, uh, yeah, yeah, like a chasm that is that holds the cave. The that you know on the other side is the cave where she's been held captive by the ogre, and um, so then you know they cut the rope and he, the the ogre's right on their heels. You know, like he's not tightrope walking, but he's like you know hand over hand climbing across uh, on the rope. 
and they cut it loose and he falls into the apparently chasm, but I guess uh, something, something happened. <laughs> uh, he, he survives that to only to uh, basically ambush them in their little uh, cart. <laughs> it just like fucking like snaps everyone's necks. Like it's nothing. <laughs> he wrecked them. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ, just man. Absolutely owned. <laughs> like, he could have been like, honestly, if he, if he had done like two head, two neck snaps with each hand at the same time, it would have been a, com- a comedic beat. Honestly. Oh <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, at the end, like after everyone that helped her escape dies, Princess Violet like tries to run away. She sort of uh, secrets, uh, basically secrets a knife into her uh, bodice or whatever, or in her hand. She runs away and, you know, like at the end, the ogre shows up. He's all burnt and fucking, you know, cut and it looks bad. Um <laughs> And she makes, you know, she basically like relents, looks like she's going to, you know, relent. And she, he tells her to get up on his back and she gets up on his back and she takes the knife and fucking slits his throat. And that's that, Mm -hmm. uh, she shows up once again at the, at her father's court who has been, I guess they've been bloodletting him. Like there's lots of leeches on that tray, man. Hell yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, and uh, and so he just like, you know, like falls to his knees, just sobbing uh, in shame and in relief that his daughter's back. And she throws the ogre's head at his feet, uh, telling him that this is the man that you wanted me to marry, blah, blah. And it ends happily. Uh, you know, she is reinstated. She's once more, you know, clean and her hair is all curled and, and shiny and. There's, uh, I guess, another circus troupe that did not hear about the fate of the previous one, (laughs) (laughs) celebrating, you know, her return and whatnot. And, you know, it sort of ends there. But honestly, you know, it feels like there's a a, there's a lot of stuff going on in here. It's very simple stories, but like it's so lush to look at. It's so beautiful. Oh, my God. Even at the end. Well, oh, hey, babe. Sorry, I'm recording. <laughs> <laughs> well, and Carl, you mentioned before we got we recorded uh, or started recording that um, this only cost like 14 million dollars to make, which is like you know compared to how it looks, uh, how like a modern day blockbuster looks, where it's like 200 million and looks way worse than this. And I think that goes to like how much um you know a production value can just by being shot somewhere real like a real location is just mm-hmm. you know that's invaluable to to the look of a, a film yeah i mean uh, like you know we, we were just you know before we started we were i was just looking up like the top 10 grossing films of 2015 um, and, and this one did sadly did not gross um, anywhere near. Its I don't budget. think it even made back its budget. Yeah, no, no, it made like five point five million back, uh, which you it's know is bad. Tragic. It's, bad. it's really tragic. But you know, it's also one of these things where I'm sure that um, 
you know, the, the, it just didn't have distribution to really get out there, you know, to really earn anything close to that. Because you want to hear what the top 10 are for, for 2015? Yes. How depressed am I going to be? Uh, probably very much so. Do you have a drink at <laughs> yeah, hand? Yeah, go for it. Lay it okay. on me. I don't, but. Star Wars Episode 7, The Force Awakens, number one. Number two is Jurassic World. Ugh. Number three is mm. Avengers Age of Ultron. This is mm. <laughs> number four is Inside Out. Number five is Furious Seven. Uh, number six is American Sniper. Not a remake, but also why? Are, why did this get made again? Um, <laughs> number seven Minions. Hmm. Number eight Hunger uh. Games Mockingjay. Number nine uh. The Martian. Another original. Uh, and number 10 is Cinderella. I'm going to guess that this is the live action one. Wow. Yeah, probably. Yeah, that's a, that's, that's kind of dire. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, sure. it's bad. It's bad. Uh, like sure. what is it? Two, two of those 10 are all remakes or sequels of some sort. Yeah. So amazing. Yeah. I mean, there's just, there's a whole world of these like smaller European or indie movies that just don't get any traction, you know, uh, you know, it's, 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 and sad because it's, it's, there's a whole world of film out there that I'm sure could find an audience that just doesn't get the distribution or advertisement that it could, because all our, all the air in the room is sucked out by, you know, the, the monster blockbusters. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it's sad because, like, I'm I'm certain that um, if we had uh, more sort of uh, consistently found uh, like artsy artsy type theaters around, um, like in every city, you know, something like this would actually maybe not be you know rival any of the blockbusters, right? But mm -hmm. at the very least, you know, you, you'd be able to have a conversation around the watercolor at work or, you know, mention it to somebody and they there might be a chance that somebody saw it, you know. Yeah. But, well, but yeah, I don't know that this even played in any theater near where I'm around. Uh, I again, I didn't become aware of it until after it was already out. But I I had a had some distribution like if it had made it to even one of the art house theaters i would have probably known about it mm -hmm. and i don't i don't know that it did and i'm not in a tiny like rinky dink town like i'm from st louis it's a good sized city like it should yeah. have at least made it to one of the art house theaters and i don't know that it did yeah 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 it's tragic i mean it really is mm -hmm. um and, and you know it, it's some of know, these it would look so cool on the big screen. Oh, Some of these gosh. like set pieces and scenes would look amazing on a movie theater screen. Mm -hmm. Like that opening sequence where you're walking through that sun drenched plaza. Like I would imagine that if I saw this in like on a big screen in a theater, I would probably almost get sunburned just from <laughs> just sitting watching it because <laughs> it's that bright. It really is like, and, and yeah, like I, I keep on harping on it, but yeah, like, I don't need like CGI sludge on screen. I'd rather just have something shot on location, you know? Uh, 
Yeah. This, this, uh, you know, I, I do think that there's some CGI here and some effects, but most of it is very judiciously uh, integrated and hybridized with, you know, existing scenery so mm-hmm. that it doesn't, you know, it doesn't look or when it does look like the chasm <laughs> that the ogre falls into, and you, it, it looks fakey, but who cares? It's a it's a fairy tale. It, right. What? You, you, where are you going to find a chasm? <laughs> <laughs> Like, also, do you really, really want to pay insurance for the chasm? Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, anyway, uh, I guess we should probably start wrapping it up, huh? Yeah. Hey, if I could make one quick recommendation, uh, the director of this movie, uh, Matteo Garoni, or, or mm-hmm. Garone, uh, he directed a an excellent movie um, before this called uh, Gamora. Which is a uh, oh yeah. I did not know that okay yeah I have seen Gamora yeah and it's it's a very different style um it's very naturalistic um and it's very it's 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 about the um, Italian um, organized crime uh as they call it com- they call the it Camorra the in Camorra in, yeah in Naples uh, yeah y- yep yep and it's just this like you know kind of like uh, gritty um, realistic take on you know uh, the actual organized crime in Italy and it's just a really 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 great movie um and uh it's it's wild to see him do something so um uh, elaborate and non-naturalistic as as this movie so but i i do recommend that movie if you want to see more of this this uh director's work yeah so um and just <laughs> out of out of uh because you mentioned it, I, I keep on forgetting the damn name of the thing, and it's just Gamora. <laughs> the um, the the place that shows up in that movie, uh, which I believe a lot of people had used because it's like this amazing modernist uh, housing project in Italy, mm-hmm. um, and they'd used it for like like I think uh, Moebius had used it as sort of like a model for some of his weird um, architecture and his stuff. Oh, really? uh, it's, it was also used as a, a jumping off point, I believe for the, I want to say it's the Tyrell building in Blade Runner Ah, uh, because it's like this weird stair step um, uh, condos, like condominiums, like massive condominiums. Like these are supposed to be public housing. Uh, they've been shut down. Like, I think they, they've been, um, I don't know if they've been completely demolished or just simply shut down and condemned, but uh, it's very striking. You should just go look it up. Uh, if you haven't, uh, if you don't know about it, it's just G-O-M-O-R-R-A-H. And that's also the name of the movie that uh, Chris was recommending. Um, it's a really striking housing project. And uh, I, I just wish that, we we would do stuff like that yeah more often mm-hmm. um anyway uh maddie do you have any uh, last thoughts any interesting tidbits mm-hmm. no i think it's been covered pretty good this movie just it kind of slaps and really did get like kind of fall by the wayside which sucks it's you know i mean it is it is an adaptation but it's an adaptation that's, you know, not of something that everyone has read like a million times. Like I've never seen any of these stories adapted previously or since in any mm-hmm. other form. And I, I think 
There are a lot of fairy tales, and it would be kind of cool to see more adaptations of fairy tales that we haven't seen like 13 million times already. Right. And, uh, God, I just want some more costume dramas. Just, like, give me a movie with real sets and, like, pretty costumes, and I'll be so much happier. (laughs) I I would like more of those. I forget, Maddie. Have you, um, did you, uh, watch, uh, The Kingdom, the, the Korean one? No, I haven't. Um, I've heard good things about it, though. Same here. I think I I, uh, I just watched the first episode. I was like, oh, shit, this looks great. And then I got busy and forgot about it. So um, it, it might be something that might be uh, to your taste. Uh, well, maybe we could talk about that later on. Um, but yeah, uh, I just uh, to your point, Eddie, I, I do agree that or at the very least, like interesting takes on like even the ones that have been done to death. Like I was just, um, yeah. I was Tiger's just, bride movie. Oh fuck. <laughs> that would be so weird. I, I don't know if you could do it. No, you could, you could, I, I could imagine it being. So the, the, the tiger in like his disguise or whatever. I, I, I almost imagine it like one of those giant puppets like uh, work. like they did with um because i believe that the uh the mech in district nine for instance uh was like a a puppet that they then you know did hybrid cgi to just cover up stuff but you know something like that where it looks sort of weird or maybe even just weird stop motion i don't know it it, it could be done it just needs, I think it needs actual creativity to, to bring it, you know, or you, we could just leave mm-hmm. it be a story, you know, it's, I don't know, but like, uh, yeah, uh, I'd like to see someone try. I don't know that they could do it well, but I would yeah. be curious to see someone try. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, shit, give it a, sh- yeah. Like, honestly, I, I'd watch something, something like that. Um, even if it doesn't completely uh work right it it would be interesting at the very least and that's that's something (laughs) something worth watching anyway yeah or even like something uh like i was just listening to something the other day about like uh cosmetics in the medieval period (laughs) where it's like oh yeah and then you you take some lead and (laughs) you boil it (laughs) and then you spread it on your face and you're like Jesus Christ. And it gives you a nice pale complexion. You're like, so is this like, could you imagine like a snow white that just, she's born because basically the lead leached into her when she was born, you know, (laughs) in in the womb and she comes out like all white. (laughs) Supposedly like uh, the, one of the original versions of it, like snow white is supposed to be like, actually like snow white. (laughs) Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, like, it's not that she's, like, too, you know, like, to our sensibilities now, what would be a pale person? No, (laughs) no. She's supposed to be, like, almost corpse white type of thing, which is very odd. Hmm. Um, But, yeah, like, the weird, grotesque parts of those fairy tales would be something to really work on. Anyway, I am rambling because I love fairy tales. I do. And I got to stop. I got to stop the episode, not reading fairy tales. Uh, (laughs) Could you imagine I'm going cold turkey on fairy tales? Um, I don't think I could do it. 
Well, I mean, uh, well, <laughs> Maddie, I have tried to send you bad fairy tale retellings <laughs> and you have not stopped. So I think you're right. <laughs> um, no, my, my, my will is strong. I have iron fortitude. I can, I can blaze past all the bad retellings and just reinvigorate myself reading Angela Carter another time if I gotta. There you go. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, anyway, uh, I guess anything, I, I forget, Chris, where can we find stuff f- where, where you have, uh, worked on it? Uh, wh- what irons do you have on fire, Chris? Well, I host a podcast with, uh, Kurt Schiller, who's, a obviously a, a frequent guest on this podcast and friend we- of the pod. Friend of the pod, that's right. We take a uh, critical lens to uh, children's media um, from a leftist perspective. And uh, Maddie, what what irons or what what have you? Where can we find your work? Um, so you can find my. I've got a couple short stories up on my Gumroad website. My username there is at Devil's Doorbell underscore. Um, or it's yeah, that's also my Twitter username. I am also the one of three hosts on the Podhand podcast, which is about berserk, dark fantasy, grim, dark, and horror. Uh, I co-host that with my friends Jr. and K, uh, and we have been having a ball with that. Uh, if you are at all interested in berserk, I would recommend checking it out. Um, Otherwise, that's 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 pretty much what I got. Excellent. I do have an article in uh, in Blood Knife. um, Yes, I was going to say. And (laughs) I have an article in Blood Knife magazine about uh, gender roles in Faustian stories, which may be of interest to any listeners who are uh, who are interested in the kind of fairy tale and folk tale, since it, it is in that similar vein. You know, magic in fairy tales, magic always has a price, and um, the devil's always there to you know be a good businessman and give you what you want <laughs> for a price. Um, so anyway, uh, I do want to thank you both for coming on and talking about this really sort of amazing and, and visually lush movie, folks. If you, I mean, obviously, if you've you're listening to this, I'm going to assume you've watched it. If you if you've gotten to the end of this and you haven't immediately go and do that uh, honestly i can't spoil the vibes on this one so go ahead it's a lot of fun it's very cool um and i do want to thank you for listening in and both of you chris and maddie for coming on to talk about it uh and i guess we'll catch everyone else next time on Podside.